Hey, thanks for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We appreciate the support as always. In case you missed it, we have a newsletter coming out this August. And it's written by our resident funny man, so you know it's going to be fun and engaging. Justin, tell us more about it. Thanks, Nee. In this letter, I tell you everything you need to know about last week's episode in the rundown section, included with links from Tuesday and Friday's episode, another section of what to come, and my favorite part is the media fun stuff. In that, I tell you which movies you could watch on various streaming platforms if you liked what we had to talk about. Listen, fans, because no sport is left behind, it's important to know what's been happening with the Pro Sports Podcasters. By signing up for the weekly newsletter, we will have you front row center for every interview and analytic discussion. So do yourself a favor and sign up. The link is in the show notes. Be part of the conversation and enjoy some of the fun. Once again, we thank you for listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Cabrera Ron, and this is our brother from Down Under, me Wallace Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Colbert Rond. Today, I've got Justin Williams with me. Justin, how you doing? Living the dream and yourself, boss. Fantastic, buddy. Fantastic. And we've got a very special interview today. It's with recent winner, Bellator Bantamweight, A1, Jornel Lugo, undefeated in the Bantamweight division, a definite up-and-comer, and we're going to find out a little more about him. Jornel, how you doing? What's going on, man? I'm doing well. Uh, glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. For sure. For sure. Uh, I'm going to let Justin get it started off. We actually had a little conversation before you joined us, and he's got a question for you. I'm a, I'm a professional creeper. I just creep profiles and stuff, and I find out things about you that you may have either not known or forgotten about. Um, like right now, there's a discrepancy on how tall you are. You're either 5'9 or 5'8. Either one is fine. But one thing I'm really curious about is who are you associated with? On one page, it says American Top Team. On the other page, it says uh, Combat. Combat Club. So Tapology says uh, America Top Team because they just never changed it. They've been running with America Top Team since back in like what two thousand. Since I, I was like twenty years old at America Top Team, I haven't been there like three, three, four years. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, because I was yeah. sitting there and I was just like, I swear he's not, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm not with them. Now, also, where did you get your nickname A One from? Is it from the shoe, like the Nike shoe A Ones? No, uh, I didn't even know there were Nike A1 shoes, but uh, I was looking for a name, and I was kind of trying to find a name that was something that had to do with being, like, excellent, like, perfect, you know, because I, I want to be, like, an excellent fighter, or, like, a perfect fighter. So mm-hmm. um, I think I looked up synonyms, and it was a synonym under something, like, perfect or, like, top-notch or something. I forgot what it was, but it was, like, a synonym. I was like, oh, yeah, A1, that sounds lit. I was like, all right, Jornel, A1, Lugo, all right, that's lit. You know, that's how I kind of went with that. That is actually a very perfect name for you because you are literally the hottest person coming out of Bellator right now. Um, anyways, before I ask more questions, I shouldn't be selfish. Kobe, do you have anything to ask him right now? Yeah, of course. I've seen the majority of your professional fights. I haven't seen any of your amateur fights, but how do you think you've developed as a fighter over the last three years? Man, I've developed a lot just because um, I'm constantly studying and like, I, I learned from fights, but not only do I learn from fights, I'm learning from, like, sparring sessions. Like, I'm in there sparring, and then I was just, like, 
go and look up older fighters and see what they're doing well. Compare that to myself. See what I'm, see what's different about me. Cause sometimes what I'll do is like, I'll see a guy who can fight and it'll just bother me. Like, damn, this guy is so good. What is it that's making him so good? You know? So I'm like, I got to figure out what it is. I'll study that person and see what things he does that makes him really good. And that's how I kind of keep developing my game. I, I develop my game by seeing other people that are really good. And that kind of like motivates me, you know? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, when we spoke after your most recent win over Keith Lee, you considered yourself a chameleon, which I thought was a fantastic description when it comes right down to it. Your last three fights are all completely different as far as what you showed me. Although in this final fight against Keith Lee, that was one of the best Bantamweight performances I've seen in quite some time. You completely dismantled him and took away any of his offense. Did you expect that or no? Man, that's, that's good. That's good for me to hear, man. It's nice to hear because, uh, all right. So, kind of goes back a little bit. Like if you if you go back to that pseudo fight, yeah. that was my uh, that you know that fight. I was wearing orange, and uh, in that fight, I was looking like kind of to grapple with him. And um, towards the third round, I realized, you know what? I'm just gonna stand with him because I can see all his strikes. And I just remember something from sparring how I handled it when I was a little bit more tired and. It's a, it's a long story, but basically I, I just, I knew I could handle it on the feet. So I was like, all right, let me stand with him. And that fight kind of gave me the confidence, like, wait a minute. I just stood with a kickboxer who I thought I should probably grapple so I can avoid any trouble just in case. But I was like, even the guys that are good at striking, I can strike better than the guys that are good at striking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, there's no point to run from it anymore because naturally I can grapple really good. So I'm like, that's always the easier route for me to go. I can just grapple someone. But my, now my standup is better than the standup fighters and... I've been really uh, perfecting it. Like if you watch my last fight with uh with uh Cass Bell, yeah, that fight, I was I was already kind of on the same path that I'm on on with this fight. But uh, since the calf kicks were so there, I just took them. They were easy. They were the easy way to go. And um, I guess just, I'm finally putting things together, man. It's all starting to come together. And obviously, like like I said in the interview that you that you watched, I'm probably I don't know how I'm gonna fight the next fight. Maybe I'll fight similar. Maybe I'll fight different. It just depends on who I'm fighting. But I, I hope to have something like that performance happen every time. Like, you know, like I, f I feel like I found the recipe. I understand how to fight much better now. As of now, my side of the pro fight. <laughs> hey, so, <clears throat> by the way, I have you ever heard of the Wu-Tang name generator by chance? No. Okay, so there's a, an artist named Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, who got his name through the Wu-Tang name generator. And I put your name in, and it came out with The Mighty Witch Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds powerful to me. That's yeah, I, like a, I like A1. I like A1, too. <laughs> but I mean, if you're looking for a backup, I got you. <laughs> what in the world? Mighty Witch Doctor. <laughs> I mean, you're a chameleon. You have these superpowers, right? I don't know. It seems kind of witchcrafty to me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so again, professional stalker. Your quickest turnaround was one month and 18 days between two bouts. And if I'm not mistaken, that was when you were fighting in CES, and then you went to fight in Bellator 232. Is that correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does somebody diet, train, and study for a quick one month turnaround. That is insane. Well, the, the dieting doesn't change. And um, I, so the dieting, I stay consistent with that. I don't know if I told you guys this because I had a lot of interviews. I think I mentioned in one of them that I fast every day. So I'm fasting like 18 to 21 hours a day. 
Oh. All my life, not just for weight loss purposes. It does it does help with with weight because without fasting, I'll walk around like 167, which I just found out is normal. I had dinner with Keith with Keith Lee after my fight, yeah. and he told mm-hmm. me that's how much he walks around at. He walks around at about 165, 67. He said other fighters walk around like 175. I'm like, what in the world? I'm the only guy who walks around 150 pounds, 152 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, I might as well go down to them. I'll, I'll go down a freaking flyway if that's the case. You know, like, but the thing about me is I don't like a heavy, I don't like a hard cut because this is, this is the thing, guys. This is, I, I probably told you guys this already too. If I'm going to be doing this for the next 10 years, I can't be doing something that I don't enjoy. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. if I got to cut weight and die every time, I don't want to do this. It's not fun. So I only want to do it if I'm enjoying it. So that's why I like try to, yeah, no, that's not fun. So I, I try to make sure I do it in a way where it's not unenjoyable. I want fight week to be fun, you know? So that's why I stay light. And then in terms of studying, I'm always studying all the time. Um, like, for example, this last camp, I didn't grapple one time. I haven't grappled in the last, like, two months because I hurt one of my knees. But I've been grappling my entire life. I don't – two months off of grappling is not going to change anything. Obviously, I can sharpen up more. Yeah. But that's not the difference between whether if I'm going to be able to grapple in the fight or not. I can grapple. I don't need to grapple to grapple. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can grapple. So um, that's why I was able to go out there. And as soon as we got to the ground, you saw the things I was doing immediately. Like, you Ridiculous. know what I'm saying? Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like how that how that goes. I don't have to like study a bunch to to know how to fight in a month. But I will say this: I wouldn't do that now. Like I'm not. That's not what I'm doing because I did that because obviously I was I was in CES and I was taking the opportunity to go to to the to Bellator. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got the call and answered. Exactly. I wouldn't just do that. I'm not a short notice guy. If it's anything less than like five weeks, don't even don't even contact me. I'm not doing it. I mean, that's fair. You have to have your own uh, hard line, which you're a professional, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now. Tracking your movement, which is a very weird thing to come up. Did anyone tell you that since your last fights, you keep progressing in your movement? Like you have gone what do you mean? over. So according to my stats, I'm looking at. It's the amount of, of cage you cover in a fight. Yep. And your chameleon style, you've covered an additional 6.6% from your last fight. You just keep going. I don't up get it. Keep- so let's say you spend a minute in the cage. Let's okay. say you're in, in the beginning of your career, your professional career. Let's say you're covering 50 square feet in that minute. Like moving around? Correct. Yeah. Now you're covering, say, 53, right? So you're, you're moving more. Your movement has increased as your, as your bouts have continued. That's weird because I feel like in this fight, I, I was uh, more so like just in his face. I, how, how could I have covered more? That's crazy. <laughs> I guess he was moving a lot too and you guys just were kind of doing a bit of a dance you weren't aware of. Okay, but, word, yeah, I didn't even notice. <laughs> well, in that case, that kind of goes to my next question of, is that something you guys were practicing in, in training camp, just kind of be more aggressive in his face and lockstep with him so he doesn't have a chance to move? Uh, yeah, well, it's not for him. It's just kind of like my style. Like, I, I want to be, be close enough to throw punches. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm not worried about going in there. Like, he told me that he was trying to make sure he went to the middle of the cage and to kind of, like, stood, stood his ground and controlled the cage. But me is more so, I'm just trying to be close enough to you so we can fight. That's pretty much what it is. You know what I'm saying? And some people naturally don't want to be that close. So if you watch the fight with me and Keith Lee, you'll see a lot of times we were very close to each other because I want to be close. I want to be close enough to fight like in boxing range, you know? So I'm not really worried about like dominating the cage. I'm just trying to be next to you, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it does. It does to a certain extent, although 
watching that fight, your distance control was was insane. Your distance control was insane. It seemed like he was you were always at the end of his punch where he was just out of reach, but you were always within reach of him. So your distance control was just off the charts that fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm also not an idiot either. I'm not going to stand so close and get punched in my face. <laughs> I'm going to stand close enough to hit you, but if you're, if you're looking like you want to mount an offense, I'm going to get slightly out of range. But then still stay close enough to the, so I can reattack you. You know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. Damn. Where did you begin your martial arts? What was your first sort of technique that you learned? So I begun uh, martial arts training with uh, jujitsu or like just grappling in general okay. and um, and kickboxing. But they were separate. They weren't um, they weren't tied in together. It wasn't like MMA. It was like you would do kickboxing one day and you would do grappling another day. Like was it out of the same gym or was it different places? Same gym, same gym. It was one gym. Yeah, and. Um, so like wall work didn't exist, ground and pound didn't exist. You know, like I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't MMA. It was definitely kickboxing and jujitsu. Yeah. Which is why, like, it, if you look at like, for the most part, my grappling, my pure grappling, and my pure striking are the best. Are really good. I developed a whole style for wall work that I think is better than like ninety nine percent of people in MMA right now. My wall work game, offense and defense, is crazy. But yeah. I started off with the um, with the grappling and striking, separately. Okay, so I mean the the submission game was on point against Keith Lee. It was like I said, it seemed like every time it anywhere got anywhere near the mat, you were looking for a submission and you were almost getting it. And what I really liked about that particular performance is that you knew almost immediately if it wasn't going to happen, you just transitioned to back to your feet or or a controlling position. How quickly now do you process whether or not you should go for a submission or give up on it? So, so I, so here's my mindset now. Now I, I'll probably explain this to you. I keep saying that because a lot of interviews, and I don't. I, sometimes I'm repeating myself, but <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but um, what's it called? Before I, uh, there was. If you watch, if you look at my in my topology on my last amateur fight, in my first two pro fights, I had three stoppages straight, yeah. and. In those stoppages, I was kind of like outside of my composure. I was like going for the kill because I have a my boy, his name is Mike Kimball, and he was going out there, he was stopping people. But the thing with me is, like I was I was influenced by it, but I was like, the thing about that is that it's unsustainable. You can't go out there and think that you're just gonna put people away. First of all, you're you're gonna get tired. So let's say if he doesn't go away, then what? Now you're gassed out, he puts you away. Another thing is you can get caught with a crazy shot. If you don't, you know, let's say I'm going there going crazy trying to get people, they might, may, might knock you out. So I'm like, I know that's, it's fun for the fans and everything, yeah. but it's not safe at the end of the day. You can't keep that up. So I kind of w- went more towards being composed and being controlled and winning on skills. But what I noticed is that that's not aggressive enough. You get what I'm saying? So I'm like, what is the, what's the balance between these two? How can I be, maintain my composure, but also be looking for the kill at the same time so basically i kind of came up with the idea of towing the line so i'm kind of like pushing my composure to its limits how far can i stretch it how far can i go before i lose complete control and lose composure so that's what i did this fight i'll push my composure to its limits and what that means is if you even touch me i'm trying to put you away i'm going to try to sub you i'm not going to like defend a takedown and go into a position or or what's the point of all the grappling? Because at the end of the day, if you take me down, what am I going to do? I'm going to get up. So right. I may as well just throw a sub in there. And if it fails, just get up. Who cares? Yeah, it makes total sense. So that's kind of the mindset I'm on now. I'm just going to start looking to put people away. 
<laughs> I, I think that's also why you don't like to take fights on short notice. You seem to be a very cerebral fighter versus just a flat out brawler. So it, it makes sense to me that you want time to prepare for every every fight that comes up. Yeah, yeah, and I want to be better. I want, I want, because remember these guys that I'm fighting, they're they're getting better and better. But there's guys that are even better than that, right? I have there's guys in the top ten that are really good. I want to do to these guys like I want to do to Rafion, the to to. To, uh, what's this? Patchy Makes, James Gallagher, Sergio Pettis, Juan Archula. I want to do to them what I'm doing to Keith. I want, I want to make them look crazy. Like we weren't even close. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, totally. So to do that, I need time to get better and better and better. Well, I can definitely see that your career is going to take off in the sense that you're going to get a title shot within the next, I'd say, latest two years. Just based on, like, again, I'm tracking your movements and I'm, I'm a, very much a mathematical guy, so I'm looking at all your stats. I'm like, this guy is bringing it. Plus, you have amazing mic skills, too, which is one of the best things you need to kind of promote yourself, as people can hear on this podcast. What were the punch stats on that fight? Do you know? The punch stats. Uh, or like the strike I can, stats? I can figure that out when I pass it over to Kobe after my next question, <laughs> but we'll gonna, get back to me. It's going to be lopsided. It's going to be It's going to be lopsided, 100%. But while I'm looking for that stat, can you tell me how did you get the call for Bellator after CES? Oh, uh, all right. So yeah, I, I was, um, I was, all right. So my friend, Mike Kimball, he's in Bellator and his management, I met his management when I was an amateur and his management paradigm, which is now my management. Um, they pretty much, uh, he, he asked them to put the call in and they pretty much asked them if they, if I could get the fight with a guy named John Duma. Yeah. Cause I guess John Duma was looking for a fight. So I was kind of like going in there as the, as the B side, like, you know, he, he needed a fight, someone that he could punch on. So, and, uh, so I kind of went in there as that guy, but obviously I was the wrong one to choose as that guy. (laughs) That's kind of how that happened where I got my first call. The second call was my management just kind of always bugging them. What happened was, is that when I fought my first time, I didn't sell any tickets. So they were like, um, you know, we can't really have this kid doesn't sell tickets. Yeah. yeah, You're not doing your part. (laughs) Exactly. So the second time I went over there, they're like, Oh well, well, the second time I tried, like the belt, uh, paradigm tried to get me in, they were like, "He don't sell tickets. We're not, we're not gonna mess with him." But what happened was perfect timing. COVID hit. Perfect. There's no, there's no fans. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's no excuse. You know what I'm saying? So he kept bugging him, bugging him. There's no fans. You can't. What could you say? You know. So <laughs> I sold two tickets. <laughs> yeah. No matter. My cornerman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that COVID hit perfect timing. So they kept bugging him, and that's how I got my. They were like, "Okay, if you do a good job, we'll we'll sign you." So that's when I fought Sue, though. And then after that, now it doesn't matter because I'm signed, and which I travel anyway. So, um, nah, that's how I got it, kind of, because COVID kind of saved the day for me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'm still looking at for the uh, the punch stats there. I'm finding everything else but the punch stats. So, Kobe, if you can take it away for a little bit. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. So, uh, Jornel, something I wanted to actually specifically ask you about. Do you ever pay attention to the rankings? Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I watch them. I see what's on it. But what do you mean by pay attention? Like, what do you mean exactly? Do you do you put stock in them? Do you believe in the rankings no, that are coming? No, okay, okay. No. So I mean, they have you top <laughs> ten now, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, having watched the last couple of Bellators, you and Stotts are somewhat similar in style. 
Okay, you're very similar as far as how you move standing. Although I would say Stotts is more apt to use his ability to not go to the mat, whereas you have no problem going to the mat. And I like to look at comparisons in fighters you've both faced and you share Keith Lee. I did an article on Rafian Stotts being maybe one of the top five Bantamweights, period, regardless of promotion. Okay, because of what he's achieved so far so early. But looking at what you did to Keith Lee versus what he did to Keith Lee, that would put you in the conversation as well. Now, I don't think you see yourself that way, but that final performance was just so picture perfect. It's hard not to consider you up there amongst the best. Where do you see yourself? When I got in, I didn't think I deserved to be in because I was, what, 5-0 and oh, and they put me ranked number 10? Yep. I'm like, what in the world? How the hell am I in the top 10? All right, I'll be here, <laughs> you know? But, and, uh, even after this last fight, this guy, this, there's a few guys in the division. Um, it's like Brett Johns from the UFC. Uh, there's a guy named Danny Sabatello. He has a big record of like 11 and 1 or 12 and 1 or something like that. Darion Caldwell's an ex champion. How the hell are these guys behind me? What, the, what's, and behind Cash Bell too. It doesn't make sense to me. But I'm, I mean, I'll, I thank you. Thank you for letting me be there, you know? After this performance, I think I deserve to be there, maybe top 10, maybe number 10 or something like that. So, um, I, I, and I'm going based off not what I feel, but off of, um, like, uh, what's it called? Like objectivity in reality. Okay. In reality, based on the records that we have and what we've done, it would seem that the, I probably should be 10, number 10 or maybe not even in it because these guys have accomplished more. You get what I'm saying? Okay. So you're putting a lot of stock in the number of fights. Yes, like the what you've done, like what you've actually done. Now, if, if you want to take it and go to the direction of actual skill set, then that's a different conversation because that's not based on stats or numbers. You get what I'm saying? That's based on what that's based on skills. And if you look at the skills, man, these guys. I, I, I watch I, I watch a lot of fighters, and I'm just not impressed. I feel like, like if you watch, like you watch, and this is I'm pick I'm just picking on people. Go ahead. I don't keep in mind too. This is not a personal thing against anyone. I don't know any of these people personally. I, this is just pure fighting stuff. Um, you look at a guy like Corey Sanhagen and people love him and they're like, Oh, this guy's so good. I'm like, the motherfucker is leading with all types of kicks and flying knees. And it's just the most, if you were teaching a kid how to fight, would you teach a kid how to fight like Corey Sanhagen? No, no, you would not teach him how to fight like that. You see what I'm saying? But then you see another guy like Rob Font. That's how you would teach somebody how to motherfucking fight. You see what I'm saying? That's uh, repeatable. You can you can do that. Anyone can do that. So you have a lot of guys in the game that are just, I just would call them, they're not really good fighters. You know, like if you look at the Bellator top 10, you have by and large one-dimensional fighters. We're talking Darion Caldwell. We're talking Magomed Magomedov. He looks like he hasn't thrown a punch in his life. Correct. Ever. You have... um. Why don't you let us well-rounded? He's just really like, he's another guy that you wouldn't teach your kid how to fight like him. He, he's, he's well-rounded. He can do everything, but he's uncontrolled. He's like unsustained, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like a cannon, like a fireball, just like bouncing around the room. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. unsustainable. I don't even know how he sustains what the things that he does in that ring, but. You have a guy like Sergio. Sergio's good. Sergio, top to bottom, he can stand and he can grapple. Not really a wrestler. Doesn't really have, like, takedown ability. Well, hasn't shown that. He probably does. He just doesn't show it. Yeah, he he prefers to use his grappling for takedown defense. 
Yeah, and, and like on his, his bat game type of stuff. You know, he doesn't really look to grapple. He fights one dimensional. I'm not, I'm not saying he is one dimensional, but he fights that way. Yeah. Stotts is, is well rounded. He can stand and he can grapple, but he's not like, he's not, he's more like he uses his weight, it seems like to me. From what I see, it looks like he just wants to put his weight on top of people. Um, but by and large though, I feel like myself, this that was just a long story. That was a long rant, but I feel like I, I can really stand good. I can grapple good. My cage work, second to none. I feel like around, all around the board, I'm a really good fighter and my mind is really sharp. I'm really composed. I can, and I perform well. I don't just, I'm not just good. I'm, I, I perform well, really well. So I think I'm definitely one of the best in the world, but I can't say that because I have to prove it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I can say that. I can go ahead and say that. As an outsider looking in and watching all of these fighters that you've mentioned, I can look at the skill sets, what they do against certain opponents and say, definitely you are, you are amongst the top 10 of the world. 100%. And I don't put as much stock in what people have done as you do, because right now, especially in the Bantamweight division, I see two generations that are currently fighting. You have an older generation and you have a younger generation. And the younger generation is getting a little bit slept on because they haven't got the numbers of fights that the older generation has. But I think the older generation is really on their way out. Like the Jose Aldo's, the, Jose the, Aldo's, the Pedro Munoz, the, the Frankie Edgar's, the, yes, the Dominic yeah. Cruz's. That's more of a commentator than a fighter now, <laughs> right? I mean, the- even even those guys. Yeah, I, I I see I see that, and I think those guys like those guys are legends. But if you look at the way they fight, and Aldo's a great fighter. Yeah, Aldo is the most tense. I, I, you know how somebody looks when they're when they're doing their max set on a weight. Yeah, man, he doesn't flow at all anymore. That's how he fights. Like he's doing his max set. It's like he's holding his breath, squeezing his muscles. Hundred percent. And then you wonder why you get gassed out every time somebody puts pressure on you because you're fucking the opposite of of calm. That's right. He's like the most tense dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know and, what I'm and the thing is, the guys I mentioned, all of those guys. If you look at the overall rankings, they're all ranked ahead of the the Rafian Stotts, the, the Jornel Lugos. They're all ranked ahead of you guys. <laughs> yeah. And I think you put the two of you in a cage, just overall fitness i'm i'm you taking skill out right out of it i think just fitness wise if you're fight a smart fight you beat them <laughs> you beat them yeah so it's the young generation and i'm loving bellator for this right now because there's more of the young generation up and comers in bellator right now in bantamweight than there is in the ufc no disrespect to the ufc i'm a huge fan but right now at bantamweight it's awesome in bellator right now and that that will bring me into talking about the, we hope, the Bantamweight tournament, but I'll pass it back to Justin. Justin, you got the numbers? So your fight was so impressive that even on Bellator's website, they don't even have stats for you. They just have a breakdown of what happened in round one. But according to a bunch of random websites I went to right now and probably cert- like messed up my search history, it says the only thing I could find was you landed 82% of all combat attempts. I guess that means including grappling. Yeah, everything. So, 82% is insane. 82%. So <laughs> congratulations. That's the best I have. I wish I had a better breakdown. Right, that's level one on Mike Tyson's punch out. Like that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just too dominant. Like 80% yeah, is an A. You were living up to your name. <laughs> I still think that's you should switch to Witch Doctor. <laughs> the Witch Doctor. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I picked you to win that fight. I picked you to win it. I... <laughs> I thought it would go to decision. I thought you would absorb more damage. I expected 
far more of a, a a brutal back and forth than what you showed me. I I wish I could have filmed myself watching that fight because I was so stunned by how dominant you were over him. I thought it was a more even matched fight than it, it turned out to be. It just surprised me. And that's why I asked you if you were surprised when you put him away in one round. Yeah, putting him away in one round. I mean, I was looking for the stoppage. I was looking to... I was looking to really put work in the whole fight, you know. Um, I don't really assume putting anybody away because it's like as soon as you go in there. You know what it was, though? You, whenever I thought I would put somebody away, I still didn't have the mindset that I have now. Like the mindset that I had was like, I'm, I'm kind of going to look for it, but I'm going to stay safe and kind of stay composed. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I'm going to skirt the edges of this composure as far as they can go. And so now I think I'll definitely start putting people away. I'm looking, I'm looking to get another fight in November before the tournament starts. So... I'm looking to put him away too. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it because when you when you got up at the end of the round, I think you were your back was to it, and unfortunately the camera angle was was bad as well. Okay, but I was watching and I'm like, man, that's deep, and I'm I'm watching the the seconds tick off, and I'm like, I think he's got him. It doesn't look like he wants to tap. At around literally around one second, I thought I think he's out, and then <laughs> the ref tapped you. You let him go. He laid there for another second or two, and then when he came to, he got up and ran. Did, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, no, I saw the whole thing. I, I felt him go limp in my arms. <laughs> yeah. When he went limp, I'm like, he's out. That's it. I'm good. <laughs> he's sleeping. Let's go. And then when I got up, he like got up and ran. I'm like, no, no, he was sleeping. <laughs> he was sleeping. And I'm like, well, ah, motherfuckers. All right, I'm a fan of him. I'm going to keep fighting him. Yeah. No, but I see, I, I think he was actually disoriented. I don't think he realized he was out. I think he just, when he came to, his brain clicked in, I need to get up, right? I'm in a dangerous position. I need to get yeah, up. Yeah, he wanted, he's, he's there to fight. <laughs> yeah, so, so he got, course, up, he got up and ran. And that's when the referee <laughs> realized, oh, shit, this, this guy was right out. And at that point, at that point, you have to stop the fight. I mean, I'm, I'm certain in your training, you've been choked out at some point, right? Uh, me, no, I've never been choked out. Oh, you've out. never been choked, choked out? out. No. Oh, so you don't, you don't know that ringing that you get afterwards. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I've been choked out rolling and it's it's not a nice sensation when you come to and that will just mess you up for the rest of the fight so I think it was good that the referee just went ahead and stopped it at that point and didn't say oh the yeah no that's not allowed you can't go to sleep in a fight if you go to sleep you have to stop it even after the bell yeah no no if you sleep at all you have to, you have to stop the fight okay all right no I, I didn't know I didn't know that actually I didn't know that was a rule mm -hmm. right yeah, that's what Big John said that. He said he was asleep, so the fight's over. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. Now you taught me something new. Hey, little side tangent. I think the I think they that the um the Bellator uh the cameras. Yeah. I think they gotta step their camera game up. Yeah, like, yeah, man. Sometimes right? It's, sometimes it's bad. Cause do, do you I see may. the PFL, the PFL cameras and the UFC I was cameras? Say, yep. The, 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 PF, the so PFL nice. impresses me, man. Actually, you know, okay, oh, it's so pretty. Here's here's something that Justin made <laughs> made a comment about oh the other God. day. We were laughing about. So in the after fight interviews, right? You got the. I'm always there, right? So, but I'm always virtual now. So. You don't see me. You just hear my question. You hear me ask the question. But yeah. But fortunately, you speak English. Okay. Yeah. For fighters that don't speak English, they only have one mic, right? They don't have a mic for the interpreter. They share a mic. Oh yeah, no. So the mic sits no. between the two of them, and unless the interpreter realizes, I better lean in. <laughs> You're like struggling. 
to hear either side. Yeah, they gotta like they gotta step a couple things up. Two mics, <laughs> like you gotta pay for a mic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, one more mic. And but the cameras, man. You know why? It's like when you see those UFC fights and you see those PFL fights, you're like, damn, I want to watch my fight look like that. And I feel like the Bellator cameras are a little bit far away. Like I feel like they're not close, and they're not like super clear. Like in, in up close and personal, I like that up close and personal shot that the UFC and, P- and PFL gives. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna talk to these guys. You, I'm gonna request some new cameras. I'll say, I'll say this. <laughs> I said Bellator stepped up its game. You know, it still has maybe a perception as the other promotion, but I, I think it's getting to a point now where it's not what it used to be. Bellator used to be kind of like where hopefuls came in and castoffs from the UFC went. That's that's just what it was. That's what people saw it as. But I think now, if you look at the development side of Bellator, the younger fighters in Bellator, it has just as many new hot fighters coming up as the UFC does, maybe even more. So it's just, I think on that side of things, they've done a really good job. But yeah. They agreed, yes. But yeah, the actual production quality does have to go up some. Yeah, the production quality. But definitely, I think the the uh, the, the roster is growing and they're doing a better job, like, not just signing like old fighters, but getting the young and upcoming talent. I agree with that. I like I like what I like the direction that it's going in, and I also don't feel like Bellator is like the second off anymore. Like it is, it's obviously UFC is, is the number one, but I feel like Bellator is like just as much of an option if you're watching fights as the UFC. Yeah, I mean, so we had we had Burt Watson on the show, and we we're comparing both, right? We were doing the comparisons, and I think what I've noticed that the greatest difference between the two now is the UFC. They're really looking for splashy, marketable fights. That's what they mm-hmm. want. Because of the ESPN deal. Mm-hmm. That's right. Whereas Bellator, it's more often they're looking for evenly matched opponents. You've really got to work your way up the chain at Bellator. Whereas in UFC, if you have the right marketing machine behind yourself, you can jump spots. Right? Way you could jump like to the your, like front of the line. Kamza, right? Like Kamza. <laughs> exactly. Like Sugar Sean O'Malley. You want to talk one dimensional? Yes. There's one dimensional. <laughs> okay. So those kind of guys can jump to the front of the line just because they have a, a good media machine behind them. And the UFC protects them. So they look for fights that, that are suitable for those fighters. Whereas Bellator, they'll put you guys against guys that you're probably not thrilled to fight depending on who you are. You've yeah. really got to earn it. So I've noticed that the quality of the overall fight night, basically, you know, like a, the quality of all the fights in the Bellator are generally on a higher level than the majority of the fights you're going to find in a USC event. Maybe the, the main event is phenomenal on the USC. Maybe the co-main is phenomenal. But some of the other fights leading up to it are fluff. Yeah, a lot of fluff. Yeah, whereas Bellator... <laughs> kind of like the O'Malley versus Chris Montino. Yeah, that was... You know? Oh, man. Oh, my God. I was... Honestly, I was so sorry for Montino that he didn't... That he, that they stopped it. He should have... Yeah, might as well have it kept going. What the fuck? He might as well. Shit. Total <laughs> bullshit. But I, I'm going to tell you right now, that was totally politically motivated. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody even spoke to Herb Dean in between rounds, said something. Because it looks better on Sugar Sean's record to have another stoppage than it does to have a decision victory to to a nobody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you stop it. And I felt bad for Matinho because for Matinho, it would have been like, hey, I went the distance with the guy. He didn't knock me out. He's a knockout specialist. He couldn't take me out. But think of his record. You look at his record now, it it goes down as him getting knocked out. Right? And he was fighting at the end. He literally threw the last punch before Herb Dean stopped it. And Herb Dean's a whole other thing for me. I can't stand Herb Dean, but whatever. 
<laughs> right? Oh my God, there's a, there's a rant about I, it. I can't it stand Herb Dean, and my wife hates my, my wife hates him even more. <laughs> right? Hates him even more. <laughs> but go go. Ahead. I can't I can't get on about Herb Dean. I've done whole articles about how Herb Dean just sucks. <laughs> okay, but I'll pass it back to Jeff. He be letting motherfuckers. He be letting people do all type of illegal stuff. I don't know him though, so I'm not gonna say that. But <laughs> just if you ever see him one day, be like, oh yes, pro sports podcasters. They don't like <laughs> He's never coming on our show. He'll never be on oh, our never. show. <laughs> I would never let him. Absolutely not. But anyways, so as I said, I'm a numbers guy, but also I'm a professional comedian by trade. So when you're talking about oh, the ooh. camera work being uh, like away, I was going to say Bellacore has been social distancing since before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, work. literally. Like, <laughs> literally, that camera, man, I'm telling you. You got to work on that. And now, I don't know how negotiations work for contracts or whatever it is. Maybe you can give us a bit of an insight in this, but I've always been curious. With Bellator, is it like you sign like a two, three fight deal or is it you sign like, okay, you're with the company, but you can renegotiate your contract every fight? Like, how does that work? You you sign a four fight deal, but you can renegotiate if you feel like, uh, well, I signed a four fight deal. I don't know what other people signed, but um, you can renegotiate if you feel like you deserve more, you know? So I saw, I started off with the base, the base pay. So yep. um, at this point, I probably could rene- renegotiate for more. A hundred percent. It see, you know what it seems like though. Mm. Having an having an inside look, it looks like if you're getting paid a lot, mm-hmm. if you lose, if you mess around and lose a couple times, they'll cut your ass because they're like, we're not going to pay you all this money <laughs> to be losing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're definitely taking more like. Like if they're paying me more, I got it. I'm gonna be winning regardless. It doesn't even make a difference. I may as well ask for the most money, right? Because I'm gonna make yeah. sure I win regardless. A hundred percent. I mean, or you can just start your own whiskey brand and kind of pull a Conor McGregor. That. <laughs> Somebody said every fight it looks every fight the way the fights are supposed to look harder, but for some reason the fights look like they're getting easier. Yeah, it's it's like it's like you're sandbagging, right? You're bullshitting everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when you know you know that episode of Fresh Prince where they're playing pool and he's acting like he sucks. Yes. And then he's like, all right, let's put money yeah. up. And then he's like, really good. <laughs> he brings out Lucille. That's exactly yeah, what Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was I was bluffing the whole time. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, I think you've pretty much answered every question that I have for you. You've been a great interview on my perspective. You can follow you on Instagram or Twitter, it's both A Uno Lugo, right? Yes, sir. A Uno Lugo. A U N O L U G O. And anything you want to say? Anything you want to say to your fans? Hopefully, I'll be back in the, in the cage soon, uh, November fifth. I'm trying to see if I get on that Ireland card. Oh see yeah. See if we can make that happen. You know, get one more in while I'm 25 years old. So if I get on that card, man, I hope I can go out there and rip this guy's head off, dominate. <laughs> you know, that's just that's all I can say. Man. I'm gonna, I give. Uh, th- I take this is this means so much to me, and I take this so serious, man. Like, I spend so much time studying, so much time. Like, I give this shit my all. So, yeah. When I get in there, I don't want it to be close. So, be tuned in because you, if you're gonna bet money, you safe betting it on me. I'm, I'm not gonna show up and not show out. When I show up, trust me, I'm, I perform every single time. No, for sure. Just like don't, don't talk too much shit, right? So the numbers don't get too inflated because I got to keep fattening my wallet, buddy. Okay. (laughs) Maybe go in a little timid, right? Give me some favorable odds. Yeah, you don't want it to look like, dang, if if he's too much of the underdog, then you're not going to get paid. That's right. It's not worth it, right? I've been getting paid off you. So just keep doing what you're doing. Be a little humble, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yep. Gotcha. (laughs) I'm going to bluff. I'm going to keep bluffing. Please do. (laughs) 